If you would, turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 1. Today we move into our second part in this Christmas Advent sermon series about being troubled at Christmas. I said last week, and I want to say it again, that I'm not wanting to preach a negative series during the holidays. No, not at all. I want this series to encourage you and to point you to the one who overcomes our troubles and anchors us in our troubles. But I also want to be honest that at times we are troubled at Christmas. There's a family connected to our church that has now been in the hospital for over a week The last thing on their mind right now are get-togethers and Christmas dinners and parties and Christmas shopping and all of those things. They're just trying to stay alive and get healthy and love on their loved ones in the hospital, right? That in and of itself could be troubling. But what brought this series about is that through studying these Christmas passages here in the Bible, we notice that you have the very word troubled multiple times. Last week, we saw that Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, was troubled When the angel came to him and told him, it said that, that he was troubled. Today we're going to see that Mary, when the angel comes to her and tells her uh, a message, that she was troubled. That's the idea behind this. We're just looking to the scriptures and seeing their influence in our lives and looking to them for God to guide us. You know, Christmas time is the perfect time to lean in to God and his ways. Christmas time is the perfect time for you and I to seek the Lord through his truth with our troubled hearts and lives. We all have troubled hearts and lives. And the solution to that is to be the truth of the word of God. If we reflect on that for just a moment, we recognize that God's truth is to be the answer, it's to be the way, it's to be the guide of our lives. God's truth is revealed to us, God sent it to us by way of his son Jesus and by way of his word. God's truth is to be the anchor, the solid rock, the foundation of our lives. We are told that in multiple passages. We are to build our lives on the truth of God's word. And the Bible even says that without the truth of God's word being the, the anchor and the foundation, then we will be troubled. We will be on shaky ground. We will not be able to withstand all that this life throws at us. The Bible teaches us that the word of God is to be our guide. It is to be our light. It is to be what guides our path and directs our steps. And we could go on and on of the significance of the word of God. It is profitable in our lives to make us into the complete man or woman of God. It is to be. And in our passage today, as we look at Mary being told what she will be told by the angel, we see Mary's commitment and devotion and trust and faith in God and his promises. It's a remarkable, perhaps most remarkable Christmas passage today. The word Advent is used a lot in Christmas time, isn't it? Advent. If you haven't heard this recently, let me remind you that Advent simply means coming. These are Advent candles and we're doing the Advent theme. Advent means coming. And so God came the first time when Jesus came through Mary to be born and he became a human. God's son became a human. God is eternal. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternal. They were not created. A lot of times with children, that question almost always comes up. Well, who made God? Nobody made God. He is eternal. He has always been and he always will be. But he was not always a man. And God the Son took on flesh 
and became a man. And that's why Christmas is such a big deal. Christmas may have become lots of different things these days, but it is truly about the incarnation. That is God becoming human being, becoming flesh. He didn't become God. He's always been God. But he did become a human, and that's what Christmas is about. So Advent is about the first coming But in Advent, when we think about the coming of God to us through Christ, our minds quickly go to that second Advent based off the promises of God. And you see why Christmas can be such an encouraging time and why it can be so strengthening to your faith in the word of God because Advent in the Bible is all of the people waiting for God to come, waiting for God to come. God said he was going to send a Savior and they're waiting for God to come. They're waiting for God to come. And at Christmas time, he came. And in a very, very similar way, you and I are waiting for Christ to come and waiting for Christ to come and waiting for Christ to come. And we find ourselves right now longing for one day soon, any day, the Lord Jesus Christ to return and save all who believe, all who are waiting for him, and take them to heaven. Advent, is mean, Advent means coming, and it is about the coming of Christ So in this passage today, if you would, turn with me to Luke 1. Luke 1, we're going to start reading in verse 26. And we're going to look at now the second time of being troubled at Christmas. Read with me in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Look at verse 29. But she was greatly troubled. Does everybody see that? That's what birthed this series at Christmas time because of that right there. Let's keep reading. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You got to be careful when you say that this is the best passage. But this might be the best passage at Christmas time. This is really, really good. Mary is exemplary for us in this passage by her humility and her surrender and her trust. Last week I told you that we're going to follow four questions each Sunday in December to help us walk through this troubled at Christmas. The first question that we're going to look at is, who was troubled? Last week it was Zechariah. You remember that? Zechariah was faithful with his wife Elizabeth and they were serving the Lord. He was a priest and he was doing what he should do. And all of a sudden the angel showed up and told him a message and Zechariah was troubled and he was afraid and he doubted. God was going to give his barren wife a child 
And that child was going to grow up and be great before the Lord. And Zechariah doubted, and so God made him mute. And that, that, that's what we saw last week. All right? It was easy to see last week that it was Zechariah that's troubled. And it's easy to see this week that it's Mary who was troubled. It seems like out of nowhere, Mary, the young lady, is living her life. She is not married, but she's betrothed meaning kind of like engagement, but even more official and more technical. Her and Joseph are going to get married. They've already made that commitment to each other, but they have not consummated the marriage. If you know that language, they had not been together yet. And so she is still a virgin, and so there is no way that she could be pregnant by earthly terms. And then an angel shows up. Verse 27 says, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Notice that verse 26 tells us that this angel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Humble and lowly and simple Mary. There is nothing in the Bible that teaches us that she is anything more than a humble, simple lady. She's from Nazareth, and she totally did not expect this. Reading some commentaries on thinking through Mary and who she was and why was she the one that found favor and all of that. Listen to this. The woman who was honored to be our Lord's mother was evidently in a humble position of life both in her station and her dwelling place. There was an utter absence of what the world calls greatness. There is nothing in the Bible that makes you think that Mary was great. She was humble and lowly, and one day an angel shows up. It is a remarkable story. Now notice that here in just a little bit, verse 32, she is told that her son will be great. And now we find the detail of the significance of what makes all of this such a big deal. This humble and simple lady Mary is about to have God's son. The commentator Ryle goes on and says, in speaking of Mary's humble simplicity, he gives a warning to us in how we view people in that position. Listen to this from commentator Ryle. Let us beware of despising poverty. Let us beware of despising poverty in others and of being ashamed of it if God lays it upon ourselves. The condition of life which Jesus voluntarily chose ought always to be regarded with holy reverence. Before you get upset about being poor or before you condemn and judge somebody who is poor, May you see in the Bible here that Jesus was poor and chose to be so. His mother was Mary. She is the one who was troubled. That's the first question. The second question is what was troubling? Now we start moving. 
what was troubling. And if you're not careful, and hopefully we have taught you what does the Bible say, what does the text say, what does God say, hopefully we've taught you that, that we don't just read the Bible, we didn't really analyze it, and we step over here, and then we try to give our two cents about what we think was going on there. That's not the first way to study the Bible. There is a place to say, okay, I know what that says, and now let me think through it. Okay, that's, that's good. That's thoughtful. That's like the Bereans, like Pastor Matt taught on just a couple weeks ago. That's good. We need to first see what was going on here. And the reason why I say that is because what was it that upset Mary? What was it that troubled her? Well, let's see what it says. Look at verse 28. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That's all he said so far. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And now, verse 29 says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So what was it that troubled her? That the angel and God's angel had shown up. It had nothing to do with the baby yet. She didn't know that. The the baby hasn't been mentioned. The virgin birth has not been mentioned. And she's already troubled This is why Bible study is really good because she is taken back by the reality of me? What what are you doing here? There's not supposed to be an angel here talking to me on behalf of God. That is what she's troubled by. Some Bible translations say perplexed or extremely perplexed. This isn't so much like scared and, and, and afraid, meaning that something bad was going on. This was more so like, what in the world is happening right now? Wasn't expecting this today, and she was troubled. Does everybody see that? Zechariah was troubled by the angel. It says that in the same chapter. But it tells us here that Mary was troubled by the saying. Well, the saying is that you were favored. The saying literally is, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary, in all of her humility, was thinking, not me. I'm the last one right now on earth that God's going to show up to and say, favor is upon you by God. That's what Mary was thinking. That is remarkable don't miss this church Mary was not troubled right here by the baby or the angel's message of the baby she was troubled by the greeting of the angel rightly so this raises the question to us the reader what troubles us why was she troubled it's a good application for us during this time of year to think about what troubles us What frustrates you or perplexes you? What stresses you out? What causes you to get off your line? What causes you to get upset and be out of character? What causes you to raise your voice or to become judgmental or to become prideful? What causes you to say, I gotta start just making it all about me. I can't think about what God says anymore. I gotta focus on that. What does? Mary was troubled here by an angel showing up and speaking to her, and and I'd imagine that that would trouble anybody. I said last week that the appearing of an angel almost always rocks the human and causes them to fall down or bow down or be afraid, and so Mary's is fine, but it's the statement here that really troubles her. You can learn a lot about yourself by identifying what it is that troubles you. You can learn a lot about yourself by what upsets you. There are some things that are upsetting you that should not upset you. And there are some things that should be troubling you that aren't. We need to make sure that our priorities and our values are in the right place. We need to make sure that we are trusting in the Lord and believing him and walking by faith. 
That we would not be upset by certain things and that we would be upset by certain things. And this is brought to mind here with Mary because what was troubling her, it was a message. It was a saying, the Bible tells us. Number one, who was troubled? That was Mary. Number two, what was troubling? It was the message from the angel. It was the saying, but we keep moving now. Number three, what was the response to being troubled? This is really, really good, isn't it? In verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He'd already said that, but here goes the details. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. In other words, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She was told that. Normally, and there are some exceptions, but normally... It's the mom that finds out first, right? You're feeling different. You're late. You take a test. You go to the doctor for a test, right? Normally, it's the mom that finds out first. In this case, Mary had no idea. She wasn't feeling pregnant until this angel shows up and says, for the second time, you found favor with God, and here's the deal. You are going to conceive in your womb and bear a son. In the same breath, without any pause, no time for her to gasp, it rolls into what this baby will be like. And I'm not really preaching on these verses today, 32 and 33, but we can't leave church today without this gigantic, massive, robust view of the baby he is not simply a baby. I know we love manger scenes, and I know every one of us probably have something on our fridge or in our house that's got a little baby Jesus there, but he is so much more than baby Jesus. He was baby Jesus 2,000 years ago, but he is nothing like baby Jesus now. Does everybody understand that? Look at this remarkable description of her baby that is coming in verses 32 and 33. He will be great. I said this week in the middle of the week, perhaps it is the most that is the biggest understatement in the whole Bible. We love to call kids great. Tonight after the kids program, you can go ahead and tag me on it. I'm going to say, man, that was great. I loved seeing those kids. When they call her son Jesus great, they meant a whole lot, didn't they? Church, Jesus is great. And If there is anything in your life or anybody in your life or any influence in your life that is diminishing or causing you to think less of Jesus, get away from that. Allow the word of God again, yet again, another Sunday to build up the Lord Jesus Christ who has all authority in heaven and on earth and all the fullness of God dwells in him who loves you and gave himself for you. He is great. In describing how great he is, verse 32 says, he'll be called the son of the most high. It says he will have a throne that his father gives to him. It will be after the throne of David. He will reign. Does everybody see that? Jesus Christ reigns. And it says here that he will reign forever. And it says he has a kingdom. And it says here that his kingdom will be no end. There will be no end. 
He is that great. There are so many ways, countless ways, that we can talk about the greatness of Jesus. He's humble and lowly. He's kind and he's patient. He's slow to anger. He's all-knowing. He's all of these things. But the passage here, and the angel tells the mother, he will be great, and it speaks to his rule, his reign, his authority, his power. Church, at Christmas time, we celebrate the baby Jesus, but may your heart bow down into surrender that he is so much more than a baby. He is the Savior of the world. He is the God of gods. He reigns. May you today say, the Bible is teaching me, the Bible is speaking to me that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings, and he's higher than everything else, and I submit myself to him. I bow down before him, and I say, I follow the great one. I follow the savior of the world. I follow the one that was born a baby, but grew up and lived and died for me. He will be great. After that announcement to Mary, that full explanation, we finally get Mary a chance to say something. Verse 34, remember my third question is, what was the response to being troubled? And here we get it in verse 34. It was a question for clarity. Verse 34 says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's stunning, isn't it? You almost have to slow down like I am now and go, really? She didn't freak out. She didn't go crazy. She didn't scream, ain't no way. It's stunning how she reacted. She asked a question for clarity. We're starting to see here that Mary believes. There's not been anything in the passage yet that really shows us Mary's faith. But we're starting to see here that Mary believes God. Church, to believe God is to believe God. If God is God and he has all power, if he made you the way he says he made you, then to believe him is to believe him. He can do anything he wants. He has the power to do anything. He, fa- he made the first man out of dirt. He made the second person, a woman, out of that man's rib. He made this human, Jesus, out of one woman with no man. Think about that. He came and made Mary pregnant it's remarkable and we're seeing that Mary believes him in other words she's not taken back with doubt thinking God can't do that ain't no way God doesn't do that I don't believe it she's not thinking about all the things that her God can't do it seems here that she's a believer but in honesty and again in humility one might ask how is this going to happen Okay, I hear you, but could you clarify? Mary knows biology. She knows how the body works. She knows how pregnancies come about. It is not possible for her to be pregnant by a man at this moment. But she says how, and she asks God. 
What was the response to Mary being troubled? It was a question for clarity. Church, Christians should not be those people that react quickly and harshly without first taking thought, without first taking a deep breath, without first praying about it, without first sleeping on it. We aren't. We are to be those who take a step back, catch ourselves, seek for some clarity. Let me hear more on this. Let me hear the other side of this. Let me see what they say about this. Let me think about it for a moment. Let me sleep on this. Give me some time to process it. I don't know enough about it. Let me get some more information. Let me be more informed as I should be. Mary is told what might be the greatest telling that there could be. You're going to have a baby. And Mary says, how will this be? I want to remind you that Luke is writing this, okay? This is Luke, who is a great author. We know him to be a sharp guy. He was a doctor. He's a good writer. And he puts this along with the birth narrative of John. They're, they're, they're side by side. They're back to back. And he did that on purpose. The reader follows Zechariah and Elizabeth and the coming of John the Baptist as they follow Mary and Joseph and the coming of Jesus. To read the first chapter of Luke is to think about both of those things at the same time. I mean, Luke is a great writer. God is inspiring him to write this. But it's really, really good. In other words, he wants us thinking about, okay, God's already doing one miracle, right? Baron Elizabeth is breaking the silence of 400 years of the intertestamental period. God is up to something. It's happening. And the reader now is recognizing this didn't just come out of nowhere with Mary. God is fulfilling all that he said he was going to fulfill. Isaiah had said a long time ago that a virgin would give birth. The reader picks up on this as they're reading Luke chapter 1. You and I have already seen God break the silence and John the Baptist is coming and Baron Elizabeth is having this baby. We followed that. Zechariah didn't believe. He got punished, a short little discipline, but he got disciplined for not trusting God through this. And now we read this and we see Mary trusting God. She was perplexed. She was troubled. But she asked a question for clarity. Commentator Bach says, the entire passage stands in parallelism to the earlier birth announcement. But the unusual nature of the birth and the future call of the child show us that Jesus is superior to John. Nobody reads Luke 1 and goes, well, we got two great heroes in the, in the chapter. You read Luke chapter 1, you love the story of John and Zechariah and Elizabeth, but you are left going Jesus is the one. You are left going, Jesus is the one. Bach goes on to write, the great God of heaven sends the gift of salvation to humans in a serene, unadorned package of simplicity. Church, may Christmas be to you. In simple terms, God loves you. He sees you in your sins. He provides a solution. May you never think again that you must provide the solution for your sinfulness before God. May you confess here today, I cannot save myself. I cannot make myself good. I cannot make myself forgiven. There's a lot of talk these days about we need to learn to forgive ourselves, and I'm okay with that if we're first talking about seeking forgiveness from God. 
May you never seek comfort from God by you simply forgiving yourselves. May you seek God for his forgiveness, which he offers to you through his son. If you recognize and feel your sins before God, which we all should, as I said last week, may you not run from him, may you run to him. May you hear today that the answer to the world, the answer to the world's problems, the answer to our sinfulness is this story of God sending his son to be the savior of the world. Mary's reaction is a question for clarity. How will this be? But there's some other things that we could think. It's neat for us to consider just how heavy this passage is. Earlier, we read from Matthew chapter 1. And you know that Matthew 1 and Luke 1 both tell us about the birth of Christ. Luke's account that we're studying today is from the perspective of Mary. The angel came to Mary. But Matthew's account is from the perspective of Joseph. The angel came to Joseph, so they're different. Remember, when Joseph hears that his wife is pregnant, he obviously knows she ain't pregnant from me, and so he realizes I should not stay with her. Something's bad. And it's the angel that says, no, this is a good thing. I'm not bringing any bad news today, Joseph. It's all good. This child is from God. You're going to be his earthly father. You're going to raise him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He will save his people from their sins. You're going to name him Jesus. And we see that both of those things are going on. We see multiple angles. Our church has given out this Advent Christmas devotional. We did it last year, doing it again this year. I hope you're reading these. I'm loving these. You could get you one of these hard copies or you can follow online. I'm loving it. And our very own Miss Georgia Hoover has written on this very passage. And I want to quote her. She says, immediately after telling her this, Gabriel goes into some detail about who Jesus is. She writes, I imagine Mary, on some level, had to have been somewhat excited to hear this news, considering she had been anticipating the Messiah's coming as much as any faithful Jew. Isn't that a nice thought to have? The passage tells us that she's troubled, but she seems to be believing because she says, how? And if the Jews, like Zechariah and Elizabeth earlier in chapter 1, were waiting for their long-expected Savior, if they were, then there must be some level of anticipated excitement saying, this is it. This is it. We need a Savior. God said he would send one. And this is it. He's come. He's come. Church, in a very similar way. I don't know what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. The Bible says there'll be a loud cry, there'll be a trumpet sound, the sky will open up, and I've never seen that before, all right? I don't really know what it's going to be like, but here's what I mean. The Bible says that those who hope in Christ will be ready. The Bible says that those who hope in Christ will be eagerly waiting for it. So here's what I mean. When that happens, when that day comes, all right, We're not going to be like, I hate that sound. Would they stop it? That's so annoying. I'm trying to watch a ball game over here. Would you quit without a ruckus? The Bible says that those who hope in Christ will say, that's it, let's go. I've been waiting for that. This isn't my home. Heaven is, and I want to get there. 
The Bible says those who know their God will be ready. And in a very similar way, a believing Jew was knowing a Savior was coming. It even said it would come through a young virgin. And so perhaps Miss Georgia is spot on in saying there must have been some level of excitement. Question number three, what was the response to being troubled? It was a question for clarity. Notice that it seems like Zechariah was asking a question too, but it does tell us in chapter 1 that he didn't believe. Remember that? Look at chapter 1, verse 20 right now. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Look at this next phrase. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So Zechariah did ask a question when he was troubled, but there was doubt and unbelief in it. It tells us that. Mary asks a question from clarity, but there was not doubt and unbelief in it. There was a desire just explained there. Don't miss that, okay? That's why we read the Bible, to make sure we understand what's going on. Number one, who was troubled? It was Mary. Number two, what was troubling? It was the message from the angel from God before even told about the baby. That's interesting. Number three, what was the response to being troubled? It was a question for clarity. Now, lastly, number four, what was the comfort? This is always the most important part. Mary believed God. She trusted God. Read with me in verse 35 through the end of this little section, 35 to 38. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here's the comfort. This is the answer, the explanation given by the angel to Mary in her question. She had a question for clarity, and God provides the answer. He explains to her how this is going to go down. In explaining that to her, he also says God's a miracle God. He's a way maker. He does things like this. And to anybody that believes, we know he does things like this. We don't know how he's going to do his miracles, but he does miracles. We have a history of God doing miracles. We have the miracle that God has done in our hearts where he took this dead, sinful heart and made it alive to Jesus when he saved our souls and gave us the new birth, right? We are familiar with the miracle working work that God does and he does it here again he's going to do it like this then he tells her he's already done another miracle and your cousin Elizabeth she's six months along John the Baptist I guess was six months older than Jesus that's the way it seems and then we've got this amazing summary statement nothing will be impossible with God if God's God then God can do what God can do and the angel tells her that Mary believed and she trusted She trusted God more than her own desires or wishes, although it doesn't really tell her what her desires or wishes are, but there's no way that she had that desire and wish. She trusted God more than her own instincts and reactions. In short, church, Mary wanted for her life what God wanted for her life. Church, can you hear that challenge today? Mary wanted for her life what God wanted for her life. I hear a lot and you hear a lot and perhaps I say a lot and we say a lot. 
I don't want it to be this way. I don't like it like this. This isn't how I wanted my life to turn out. I didn't sign up for this. We talk like that, don't we? Which means we want God to get in our lives if we can control our lives. We want God to be in our world as long as it's still our world. We want God to be in our wins and successes and and, and thrills and things like that as long as we can still dictate what they are. That's not faith. That's certainly not surrender. Mary trusted God. She wanted for her life what God wanted for her life. Listen to this. More than she wanted what she wanted for her life. Like any young lady, I'm sure she had aspirations and thoughts and dreams. Anybody will accept God if he gives them only what they want. Anybody will accept God if he gives them only what they desire for their own lives. But that is not faith and that is not trust. God is a big God and a good God. He is a father to us. And his being a father to us means that he rules over us, that he reigns, that we are in his hands. His rule over us is a loving rule. He sees us, he cares for us. He is a good king over us. We are to humble ourselves before him. We are to follow him with great devotion and faith and watch how he leads and uses our lives. Like Mary, like Mary, we need to learn to say and believe that God has us. When that angel left, you and I can only imagine what it was like for Mary from there. Did she pass out? Did she collapse? Imagine when the angel left. She's nine months away from the birth and just going back. How do you tell your parents that? How do you tell your husband that? How do you tell anybody that? Did she even tell them? But what is most remarkable that we need to hear as we start to close now In the midst of all of those thoughts and all of that trouble and perplexing, she believed God. There are so many things today in 2023 and we are now officially three weeks away from 2024. There are so many things that are going to trouble you. You know that, right? There are so many things that are going to trouble you. Your world will be rocked. Your emotions will be stirred. You're going to find yourself soon going, this is not how I thought my life would be. And you'll be in the same position as young Mary. Now, many of you all can be thankful that God has not made you pregnant when, you, when your husband didn't know that you were pregnant, pregnant from somebody else. I mean, that's quite embarrassing, right? And yet Mary in that position trusted God. She believed that God had her situation under control. See, what happens is to us is that when we don't like the situation that God has us in, we abandon faith and we go in ways that won't honor God to try to get it back under control. Of course, I'm not talking about anybody that's making moves in honor and obedience to God. That's a good thing. You ought to be proactive with all that's going on in your lives. But here, this came upon Mary. She didn't choose this, and yet she was able to believe with resolve that God 
has her, has her where he wants her, is working in her. God had her situation under control. Going back to what Miss Georgia Hoover wrote, listen to this, exactly on this. Mary's more surprising response comes in verse 38 when she humbly states, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Despite not knowing all the details and in the midst of so many unknowns, Mary's heart posture is one of trust. This stands in stark contrast to the passage before us where Zechariah responds in unbelief to the angel's announcement that his wife Elizabeth will conceive and bear a son in her old age. In verse 36, we read that God has kept his promise to Zechariah, and Elizabeth has indeed conceived just as the angel said she would. Listen to this from Georgia. Verse 36 encourages me in a special way because in God's mercy, he provides Mary with a relative whom she can experience fellowship with in a time where she could have felt very alone. I'm so thankful Luke includes this detail because it reminds me that whatever we face, God is with us strengthening and upholding us even when the path ahead seems impossible. That's what it means to believe God. Church, I want to remind you here today that when you were dead in your sins and you could not save yourself, God loved you and sent his Jesus in this way. And if you want to believe him, believe him. Go all in. I want to encourage you today to absolutely surrender everything and trust Christ. If you want to make it public that you're going to become a follower of Jesus and be a Christian, would you do that today? Would you give us the joy of celebrating with you that you're going to trust in Christ and become a Christian? You're going to surrender your whole life to him and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and I trust in you. You can do that responding If you've not been baptized and you sat here today and you saw the young boy say, I want to commit my life to Christ and be baptized, you can let us know. We'll baptize you very soon. If you want this to be your church, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you've been baptized, you want this to be your church, you can respond now. Mary was troubled, but Mary trusted. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the story of Mary and just how she trusted you And how that so much challenges us. God, it challenges us, but it also inspires and encourages us. And I pray, dear God, that we too would believe and trust you. God, we acknowledge here today that this life requires faith and trust. And so we ask for you to work in us. Father, move in our hearts that we would believe and trust you for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.